Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Psalm 78. I want to preach this message on feasting at the Father's table. Amen. We're feasting at the Father's table. Things are already falling. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the message and things are already falling. Feasting at the Father's table this morning. You know, um, today's Father's Day and what better way to honor our fathers than to talk about our Heavenly Father. I, you know, I can talk all day about our natural fathers and we can, we can sit and reminisce and sell, tell stories and uh, we can sit and talk about their shortcomings and their failures. How many of your dads have flaws? You can admit it. Yeah. <laughs> every, every father in the room this morning is not perfect. Everybody has issues. But we're going to talk about the father who is absolutely perfect this morning. Who's, like I said, sitting and ruling all things by his power this morning. I want to, I want to take a look at my heavenly father this morning. I, don't, I, don't, I thank God for my earthly father. I thank God for our spiritual dad. I, you know, I have a great dad. And uh, I thank God for, for spiritual heritage. Thank God for the spiritual heritage that I have. I thank God for my spiritual dad. You know, Pastor Frank in New Orleans is our spiritual daddy. And I thank God for Pastor Frank and Pastor Paris. I thank God. But I want to look this morning. I want to pull up. I want to belly up to the table of my father. And I want to sit and feast on his goodness this morning. So, so I invite you to join with me this morning. And let's take a look at the goodness of our God today. Psalm 78. And we're going to start in verse 12. It says, marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. We're talking about the children of Israel now. He split the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like the rivers. Now, verse 19 in Psalm 78, there's a shocking verse here, uh, and I can't believe that David even recorded it. There's a, there's a shocking statement made by the children of Israel, and this is what they said. They spoke against God and said, what'd they say? Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? I want to take a look at this morning, this scripture. Can God prepare a table for you in the middle of your wilderness? You know, this is a shocking question that they're asking God. When you begin to consider who it is that, that David is talking about here. These are the children of Israel. These are, the, these are those, yeah, the, the children of Israel. These are those that spent 400 years in slavery. They spent 400 years in Egypt bound up in slavery. They were, they were building and, and working under the slave masters. These are, these are those that Moses... Yeah, you, you may know about Moses. Anybody remember, remember Moses? Moses was in the desert. Moses began to hear the voice of the Lord out of the burning bush. 
Moses heard the voice of the Lord and, and God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go back to, go back to Egypt and you're going to deliver the Israelites out of bondage. You're going to set them free. And what, what was, what was Moses' response? Lord, who am I going to say that sent me? And what did God say? Tell them, I am has sent you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell them I am. Not, the, not I was, not I will be. I am has sent you. I'm telling you this morning, God is a right now God. He is, he is an ever present, ever existent God. Present in your life today. He's the I am that will heal you. He's the I am that will save you. He's the I am that will set you free. He's the I am that will redeem your life from the pit. He's the right now God. He's the right now God over your finances. He's the right now God over that family situation. I'm telling you, my God is a right now God. He's a good God. He's a God of the I am. <laughs> He's the God of the I am. He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the I am God. That is, that's good news this morning. I get excited when I start taking a look about my heavenly father. When I start feasting at the table of my father, I get excited this morning. Yeah, I am was here before you ever got here this morning. I am was waiting for you. I am is walking these aisles this morning. He's looking at you. He's looking at me. He's saying, will you? you acknowledge my goodness this morning? Will you look to me this morning? Woo! I might just start running with Jesus this morning. <laughs> yeah, the I am. The I am's walking the aisles. He's looking into your life. He's looking. He's right here. Yeah, he's right up in your space this morning. <laughs> let, him, let him get up in your grill this morning. Let him get up. Let him get up in your face this morning. Will you acknowledge the goodness of our God? Yeah, the I am. <laughs> the I am. Yeah, can, 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 he, can he prepare a table? Yeah, these are, these are those, that, those that ask the question. These are the ones that Moses went back to. He went back to Egypt. And I am showed up in Egypt. And he began to torment them and annihilate them with the ten plagues. It, and every plague, after every plague, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He hardened his heart. Every, every plague hardened his heart. And it took the death of the firstborn of every family in Egypt for Pharaoh, even Pharaoh's own son dying. It took, it took his own son dying for Pharaoh to say, okay, I'll release you, I'll let you go. And even after that, the Bible says that he hardened his heart again and he pursued the Israelites to the Red Sea. And here's the Israelites at the Red Sea. And God opens. He splits the river. He splits the Red Sea. And the, and the Israelites walk on dry ground. And the Israelites pursue them through the river. The Israel, or the, I'm sorry, the Egyptian armies pursue them through the, through the Red Sea. And the waves come crashing down on them. And thousands, thousands of Egyptian army bodies float ashore dead. And the, and the Israelites see all this. And then the cloud, the pillar of cloud by day is leading them. And the pillar of fire by night, they're walking for 40 years in the wilderness. And their shoes never wear out. They have the protection of the Lord. The presence of God. The favor of God is on their life. And they're walking for 40 years in the wilderness. And a rock follows them. For 40 years, a rock, Paul said, that the rock was Christ. And out of that rock flowed. It says, and, and David said, it gushed. It gushed rivers of water. For 40 years, this rock followed them providing water. And these are those 
that said, can he prepare a table for us in the wilderness? Can he prepare a table? You know, we, we laugh and we think how foolish, how foolish these, these Israelites must be. You know, they're, they're asking God after seeing all of this, after, after seeing all this, they're asking, can God prepare a table? And yet we, we're just like them. We're just like them. How many of us today face trials and circumstance and situations in our lives? Well, God, can you prepare a table? God, I'm so why? God, I don't understand. I mean, God, why can you prepare a table for me? God, I don't understand. And we're the same, except for the grace of God, every single one of us respond the same way that the Israelites respond. God, can you, why, God, can't you do this? They weren't just questioning the provision of God. They were questioning his character. They were questioning his goodness. And we do the same thing. Oh, but my friend this morning, think back. Even when you were in rebellion, even when you were away from God, even when you were in your sin and and in bondage, the Lord loved you. He pursued you. He, He took care of you. He kept you secure. He kept you in his mercy. He kept you in a place of his love. He's met you and loved you. And his love has prevailed for you time and time and time again. Time again. Why? Why could God, if he's done all that, if he's done all that, why could God not prepare a table for you in the wilderness? Pastor Frank used to have a saying in in New Orleans, and and I'll I'll quote him in this. He said, humans are so predictable. (laughs) How true that is, that humans are so predictable. (laughs) We all would respond the same way. We sit at the table and we eat of the blessing of the Lord. We eat of the blessing of the Lord. We take in His goodness. We receive His blessings. We receive His goodness. And we grumble and complain, it's not enough. We're eating away at the feast that the Lord has prepared us. But God, I want meat also. God, this, this bread, this water isn't good enough. I want, I want some meat. I want, I want more than what you've given me. Oh, my friend, may we today begin to pull up to the feast of the table of the Lord and begin to feast on His goodness with rejoicing and thanksgiving and all the blessings of our Heavenly Father. In Psalm 78.20, y'all with me this morning? In Psalm 78.20, it says this, Behold, He struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. Can He give bread also? Can He provide meat for His people? They weren't just questioning God's supply for them. They were questioning the very nature and providence of God. They were doubting God's goodness. And except for the grace of God, as I already said, we would all respond the same way as the Israelites and probably have at some point or another. How many of you have ever said, God, why can't you do this? God, why? Yeah, we all have. We all have been there. We've all said those things and probably will again at some point in our life outside of the effect of the grace and the goodness of God in our life. Here's what John Gill said about Psalm 78. I love this. John Gill was a Baptist preacher in the 1700s. Actually... Charles Spurgeon was his pastor. Anybody know Charles Spurgeon? John Gill was a, was a Bible, uh, Bible scholar, and, and, and Charles Spurgeon was his pastor. This is, this is what John Gill said about this verse. He said, not only 
thought ill of him and tempted him in their hearts, but they expressed with their mouths what was in their hearts and spoke against him, his power and his providence in plain words, though he had been so good and gracious to them. I'm hoping that the media folks will get this up for you. If not, I'll just keep reading. His power and his providence in plain words, though he had been so good and gracious to them and had done such wonderful things for them. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? These are the words which they spoke against him and by which they tempted him, questioning his power and his goodness. Questioning his power and his goodness. Here's what happens when when we begin to doubt the Lord. When we begin to question him, we're doubting his power and his goodness in our lives. Have you tasted today of the goodness of God? Have you tasted of the power of God in your life? If you have this morning, when we begin to question him, we're doubting him. We doubt him. And what we're saying is, well, he's just not able to. He's just not able. We're saying, I, I just say, God's not able to, to heal my body. God's not able to fix my marriage. God's not able to provide for my family. God's not able. We doubt him and we just say God's not able. And if we're not saying that God's not able, then we're saying he's able, but maybe he just doesn't want to. He just won't do it because he just won't. Maybe God wants to. He just won't do it because of this reason or that reason. We know that God's more than able to provide. We know that God's more than capable to sustain us. But maybe he just won't do it because we don't meet his criteria. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning. Can I tell you something this morning? That my God's power is not diminished today. The same power that he spoke the worlds into existence is the same power that's flowing from his throne today. God's power for your life is not diminished. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and I today. The Bible says that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. The Bible says that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the thought of man what God has prepared for you and I, those of us that love him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, God, I, that all-powerful all God, all-powerful God is sitting and ruling your life today. There's not one detail that's outside of the palm of his hand. Isaiah said he's inscribed your name on the palm of your hand and your walls are ever before him. He can't forget you, though a mother may forget her nursing baby. God will not forget you. His power is not diminished for your life. Be encouraged today at the table of the Lord. There's power available for you. At the table of my God today, there is supernatural power flowing for you and I. Uh, he's prepared a table of salvation. Oh yeah, while we were still sinners, Christ died for me while I was still in my sins. I knew not God. I had no idea or concept of his love. But while I was still a sinner, before I was ever born, Christ died for you and I. He died for the ungodly. He died to redeem our lives from the pit. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There is, yeah, there is a feast of salvation for you and I this morning. There is a feast of salvation for you and I this morning that you and I can partake of. There's a feast. Yeah, there's a feast of his presence this morning. 
There's a feast of his presence. You and I can pull up to the table. In Romans chapter 8, <laughs> yeah, Romans 8 tells us about the feast of his presence. Romans chapter 8, y'all think this preacher's lost his mind this morning. I'm excited about the goodness of my God. <laughs> there, you, you, can't quite, you can't shut me up. <laughs> well, you're just too wild of a preacher. <laughs> uh, my friend, if you think if you think I'm wild today, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> you 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 have not seen nothing yet. <laughs> when you've seen what I've seen, when you've seen what I've seen, when you've tasted what I've tasted, when I <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, honey. <laughs> When you've tasted of the real, when you've pulled up to the table of the Lord and you're feasting on his goodness, I can't stop talking. When you go to a restaurant, now by the looks of it, some of you really like those restaurants. <laughs> when you go to Bob Evans, I don't know why anybody would want to go to Bob Evans, but why? Not my favorite, okay, obviously. We're from the South. <laughs> we have, but we have much better cooking than Bob Evans. But anyway, I digress. When you go to Bob Evans, or wherever you go, and you like it, and you have a good experience, and you have a good meal, and you have a good waiter or waitress, and things go well, you tell people about it, don't you? And the better it is, the more you talk about it, right? Well, I've tasted of heavenly manna. I've sat and I've ate the bread, uh, the face bread, the show bread of Jesus. I've sat and I've ate the lamb of God. I've tasted of, of the, the new wine of the Holy Ghost. I've sat and drank of the rivers of the Holy Spirit. I've got to tell you what I've tasted. I can't help but talk about what I've experienced. I can't help but overflow with the goodness of God. <laughs> so... So, so, so maybe, so maybe, so maybe the problem is, <laughs> maybe, maybe the problem this morning is not how wild I am of a preacher. Maybe, maybe you just need to eat a little bit more. <laughs> maybe you've, maybe you've stopped feasting at the table of the Lord and you've been feasting on religion. Maybe you've been feasting on, on addiction. Maybe you've been feasting on anger or bitterness. Or maybe you've been... Maybe you've been feasting on things that don't satisfy. Jeremiah said they've, they've forsaken the wells, the rivers of living water, and have hewn out for them cisterns that don't satisfy. Maybe you're drinking from broken cisterns that there's no life in. But I'm drinking from the fountain of living water. Jesus said, when you drink of this, you'll not thirst again. <laughs> I, I'm drinking from living water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I'm wild. <laughs> All of that just to address that. But anyway, so, uh, Romans. There's a feast of his presence. There's a feast of the presence of the Lord. Romans chapter 8 and verse... <laughs> Romans 8. <laughs> you know, you, I tell, I, when I say we can hear your thoughts when we preach, you, you really do. You, can, you just tune in to the Holy Ghost and you just start going and you can hear. And somebody said, well, you can be dignified when you eat. Don't make any facial expressions because I'll know who that was. (laughs) 
You, yeah, never mind, I'll just move on. I, I really, yeah, I am, I am, I am is prepared a feast for you. Romans 8, 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things. <laughs> who shall bring it? Who? <laughs> I could never make it through this scripture. Who? 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 Who shall? Who shall bring a charge? I'm telling you, this, this will bring life to your dead bones. If you, just, if, you, if you find yourself in a spiritually starv- starved place today, go read Romans 8 about a hundred times. You'll be good, I promise. Just keep reading it until, and you might even have to smile when you read it, but I promise if you keep reading Romans 8, eventually the joy of the Lord will start bubbling up on the inside of you. You can't help but read this and not get blessed by the Lord. You can't, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit is leaping off the pages of Romans chapter. I mean, he's leap, leaping off the pages of the whole Bible, but, but Romans chapter 8 is pretty good. <laughs> who, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even, who he is, who he is. He, Jesus, who is? <laughs> who is? Who? Who's? <laughs> I don't even know where I am anymore. <laughs> Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Yes, it's Him. Jesus, it's God who justifies. Who is, who is it that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes... Who? who? What is He? Jesus is making intercession for you right now. Yeah. Jesus is praying for you and I. Lord, may they enjoy the feast I've prepared for them this morning. May they, yeah, these are my words. It's my intoxicated words, but these are my words. I'm, I'm intoxicated on the love of God this morning. But it's, it's the words themselves. God is speaking off the pages of his, of his word this morning to you. He's prepared a feast. He's praying that you'll receive it. Verse 35, who shall separate us? Who? Who? Who, who shall separate you from the love of God? Absolutely, positively, nobody, nothing. There's nothing. Well, you don't know what the church did. I don't know what the church did, and I don't care what the church did. Everybody sitting in this room has failed. Everybody in this room has the potential to hurt you and let you down, myself included. Everybody in this room has the potential to, to say something that offends you or rubs you. Guess what? That's why God put us together. You rub me raw too. <laughs> it goes both ways, friends. <laughs> it goes both ways and it propels me, it pushes me into the presence of God. You push me into the presence of God. Whether I want to go or not, you push me into the presence of God. That's what we do. That's who we are. We, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And we sharpen one another. That's, that's what we do. There, but there's nothing. That person sitting next to you or the cross of the room that makes you mad. There's not even that person can separate you from the love of God. His love's pursuing you right now. Stop looking at the offense. Stop looking at the hurt. Stop looking at what happened. And yield to the love of your Father. 
That's bonus. I wasn't planning on saying that, but somebody here needs to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep among the slaughter. That's, that's real encouraging. <laughs> when you get born again, what's your destiny? You're sheep, you're sheep to the slaughter. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. He's out for your flesh, my friend. When you begin to feast on the body of, of Jesus, when you begin to eat and partake of the goodness of the Lord, he's after your flesh. Something's going to die while you eat. You can't eat of the goodness of the Lord and your natural man and your carnal nature live on. You're, when you begin to take on and, and eat of Christ and eat the feast that he's prepared, your carnal nature starts to die a little bit more and your spiritual man starts to live a little bit more. You know... We have, a, we have a dog, Buster. And poor Buster, you know, there are days, his, his food and stuff's downstairs in the basement. And occasionally we'll go out through the basement to get out to the garage. And, and, and you know, we'll, sometimes we go out through the front door. But if we don't feed Buster, which there's been an occasion, please don't write me any letters about not feeding our dog. <laughs> we absolutely do our best, but we are humans. <laughs> we forget, you know. We forget. We don't go through the basement. There, we feed him pretty regularly, though. He looks it. Just in, case, just in case anybody's wondering. I know. You'd be surprised at some of the things people say. Anyway, so, so there are days that we don't feed. But if we, don't, if we weren't to feed Buster for a while, if we stop, I'm not saying that we would do this, but if we were to stop feeding him, if we were to stop feeding Buster, he would get really skinny and he would get real frail. And eventually Buster would die. He would go to doggy heaven. And he'd go away. And I'd be happy. There... <laughs> Heather likes Buster. Heather and Zoe like Buster. Buster to me is a big furball that leaves hair all over the house. <laughs> but, but if we stop feeding Buster, he dies, right? Well, if you stop feasting at the table of the Lord, your spirit man's going to die. You've got to feast on the presence of the Lord. You've got to take in His goodness and, and feed your spirit man. When you feast on the goodness of the Lord, you're feeding your spiritual man. And if, if, you're, if you're feasting on the things of this world, you're feeding your carnal nature. Well, I just don't understand why I can't get victory over this. Well, how much time do you spend listening to worship music? How much time do you spend in the Word? How much time do you spend praying? How much time are you feasting on the goodness of the Lord? How much time are you spending with fellowship and fellowship with their, with their brothers and sisters in Christ? How much time? Because really, if you're, if you're spending more time listening to the country music, he died, she died, dog left, home gone, all that other whatever mess, if you're spending more time listening to that, listening to the news, this blew up, that blew up, this, that, and the other thing, I'm not saying those things are bad, but listen, if you're spending more time listening to that, you're feeding your carnal nature. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you're discouraged. Take your medicine. Feast on the table of the Lord, your spiritual medicine. We said last week, you got to feast. You got you to take in the goodness of the Lord. If you don't understand, take your medicine. Get the podcast. It'll help you understand. For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, things to come, height, depth, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, there's a feast. There's a feast of his presence. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, how much more than your Father in heaven? who would give you freely the Holy Spirit to them that ask. A feast of His presence, our God, is a bottomless, endless river of overflowing love. His love has been pursuing you since the beginning of time and before then, and it still pursues you to this day and will not stop pursuing you. His love is after you. He gives and He loves. For God so loved the world that He gave. God so loved that He gave. His ocean, His river of love is unending for you and I today. The river of His presence is overflowing and unending for you and I. Yeah, you and I can take in, take in and receive. Let's jump back to what John Gill said. If you're up there with the notes, you can, we we stopped. (laughs) We stopped halfway through. Let's finish. Questioning. I apologize. I got caught up. Questioning. Questioning. They were, and by which they tempted him, questioning his power and his goodness. And expressing their dissatisfaction with their present and daily allowance, they were not content with the manna that they had every day, but they wanted to have a table ordered and spread with all kinds of dainties. (laughs) The sense of the question is, can the Lord do this for us? Give us a plentiful table in the wilderness, as well as drop the manna about our tents. If He can, why does He not? And if he does not, it must be either for want in himself or want of good will to us. And thus, they tried and tempted the Lord. <laughs> not good. Not good. We're feasting on the present. Maybe, maybe you find yourself today like the, like the Israelites. Can God prepare a table for me? Can God, can God do it for me? Maybe maybe this morning you find yourself asking why and God I don't understand. Maybe maybe your heart has grown hard and maybe maybe this morning you've been disappointed by God. Maybe this morning God's let you down. Maybe maybe God didn't give you the breakthrough that you wanted or maybe God didn't provide for you in the way that you thought he should. Maybe this morning your heart's grown hardened like the Israelites. Let me give you the the cure for this. Are you ready? The cure for this is thanksgiving. The cure for this is a thankful heart. Maybe maybe you've grown mad about life. Maybe you've grown bitter about life. But but if you'll just go back, maybe maybe you just go back today and you begin to think about all that God's done for you. Maybe maybe you just begin to start with the smallest thing. I woke up this morning and I'm breathing. Maybe you just maybe you just thank God this morning that you're born again. And and, and maybe maybe you can thank God this morning that you're in a church where you can hear the word of God freely and we're not in some underground meeting and maybe you can thank God this morning for for uh, uh, for a husband that loves you or a, or a wife that loves your kids that love you in the house of God I don't know but if you just go back and you just begin to start maybe with the small things and just open up your mouth thank you Jesus 
And it might, it might be really hard at first. But you just begin to utter thanksgiving. And eventually that thanksgiving turns into worship. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Ha, 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 Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, your love that's never ending, that you are the right now God. That, yeah, I thank you, Lord, that I worship, I worship you, Jesus. I magnify you. And all of a sudden, that problem's not so big anymore. All of a sudden, that hard heart begins to melt in the presence of the Lord. And the tears of joy begin to stream down your face. And all the while, God's sitting in heaven bottling up every little tear you cry. He it puts it in his little bottle and says, I know, it's in Psalms, you can read it. He, he puts it in his bottle and says, I remember, I remember their offering of thanksgiving. I remember their worship of thanksgiving. It's ever before me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think about Abraham. <laughs> Abraham, oh Abraham, you're going to have a son. And his, his wife thought that was funny. <laughs> Abraham, you're an old man. Years had gone by. But this is what Romans chapter 4 says about Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Abraham didn't consider that his body was old. Sarah wasn't considering that his body was old. Abraham wasn't considering his oldness. He said, though my body die, God's able to raise me from the dead. Though though I be weak, though my body be weak, I know that God's promised and I'm going to have a son of promise. Not considering the present circumstances, but considering God who is able to perform what he said. Stop looking at your natural situation. Stop looking at things in the natural. Stop giving vent to your hardened heart and begin to utter the promises and purposes of God over your life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's Joseph. (laughs) Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. He He was the favorite among his brothers. Daddy gave him a multicolored coat. He loved him better than all the others. Not only was Joseph well favored, he was the only one that God was speaking to. That we know of. There's no record that any of the other brothers heard from God. But Joseph heard from God. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And he told his brothers, I'm going to rule over you someday. They didn't like that too much. Why don't you, why don't you go tell that to your family this afternoon? Thirteen years goes by, sold into slavery. His dad thinks he's died. He becomes Potiphar's right-hand man, and Potiphar's wife lies about him. He ends up in prison for two more years. Thirteen years had gone by, and yet he dreamed, the Bible says, he dreamed another dream. He dreamed another dream. Are you dreaming today? Are you not daydreaming, but are you dreaming? Are you having spiritual dreams? Are you living the God dreams for your life? Are you still stuck? I can't believe I'm in the prison. I can't, I can't believe that I'm in the prison again. I can't believe Potiphar's wife lied about me. I can't believe. I can't believe. Oh my goodness. Here we go again. Can God prepare a table for me in the wilderness? Oh my goodness. David said this, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you're with me. He prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. It doesn't matter whether I'm in the prison or the palace. God set a table for me and I'm feasting on him. (laughs) This is what Charles Spurgeon said. 
I like Spurgeon. Spurgeon said this about Psalm 78. He said, To question the ability of one who is manifestly almighty is to speak against him. These people were base enough to say that although their God had given them bread and water, yet he could not properly order or furnish a table. He could give them coarse food, but could not prepare a feast properly arranged. So they were ungrateful enough to declare... As if the manna was a mere makeshift and the flowing rock stream a temporary expedient, they asked to have a regularly furnished table such as they had been accustomed to in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Moses, why have you brought us out here? We're going to die in the wilderness. Moses, come on, man. Alas, how have we quarreled with our own mercies? Wow, wow, that's a great statement. We've quarreled with our own, we've fought against God as God told Paul, you're kicking against the goads. And quarrelously pined for some imaginary good, counting our actual enjoyments to be nothing because they did not happen to be exactly conformed to our foolish fancies. They who will not be content will speak against providence even when it daily loadeth them with benefits. <laughs> well, this reminds me, reminds me of another story. Reminds me of another, another feast in the wilderness. Reminds me, this, this is a, this, these children of Israel are a parallel to another feast. These children of Israel are parallel to another feast in the New Testament in John chapter 6. When Jesus fed, fed the 5,000. Jesus fed them. He taught them. He was teaching. He spent all day teaching. And they were hungry. They were hungry. And the disciples said that we got to feed these people. They're hungry. Jesus said, well, give them something to eat. I love what verse 9 says of John chapter 6. Verse 9 of John chapter 6 says, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Wow, what are they among so many? God, they are insignificant. They're worthless. It might be good for this boy, but surely it's not enough to feed 5,000. These people are hungry. Jesus, let that boy go. Leave him alone. We're hungry. Give us food. You know, how many times are we the same way? How many times are we the same way? Our, we, think our, we think our offerings, our gifts, our talents, our resources, the things that, that we give God are, are not sufficient. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I feel like I need to step out and do ministry. I need to do something with what God's given me. But I just don't feel qualified. I mean, I mean I, I'm insignificant. I'm a nobody. I don't have anything of value to offer. Well, this little boy had nothing. It was, a, it was two fish, two small fish, the Bible says, and five loaves of bread. There was nothing that he could do with that except forgive it to Jesus. Yeah, your, your insignificance this morning, your worthlessness, give it to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus can do something with your insignificance. It's the pride and the haughtiness that goes before the fall. But when you humble yourself before the Lord and you say, God, this is all I've got. If you can do something with it, if you can take it, then it's yours. Use it. Make something of it and feed the people. Amen. I was thinking about this. Heather's teaching her Bethesda class. Heather and I have two Bethesda, our Bible college classes. She's teaching a biographical study on some great men and women of God. And 
and I'm teaching on missions. We have a great, we have 17 students enrolled in our Bible college already. That's awesome. It's awesome. And more to come in the fall. Uh, it's awesome. Um, but she's teaching on this, and I got to thinking, there was a man, you probably don't know him, you've probably never heard his name unless you've heard us talk about him, insignificant man who lived in the 1600s. His name is Henry Skugel. Most people in this room probably don't even know who Henry Skugel is. Henry Skugel, in the 1600s, wrote a letter. It was a simple letter. It was a 60-page letter, but it was a simple letter <laughs> called Divine Life. He talked about it, Divine Life. And in this letter, he wrote to his friend, he told his friend about the effects of the power of God and the grace of God at salvation. And that how a man who's truly born again is transformed in their life. That religion is not just about charitable works and good deeds, but the, the effects of true religion affect and transform the person's nature and their character. That's what the letter was about. Henry Skugel died at the age of 28 from tuberculosis. His letter was picked up and read by some folks, and they said, we need to publish this. So they published it, and the title of that book that was published is called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. Skugel never knew about the great work that became written as a result. But that's not the end of the story. In 1735, almost a hundred years later, almost a hundred years later, that book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man, was given to somebody that was not born again. And they picked up that book, and they were glorious transformed by reading this book. The reality of salvation became alive in them and they were born again as a result of reading the life of God in the soul of man. That man is the, goes by the name of George Whitfield. George Whitfield was born again as a result of reading Henry Skugel's book. George Whitfield goes back to his home church in London and begins to tell and preach of all that God did, has done in his life. He begins to share his testimony. Preaches his first message in London. History says that when, when Whitfield preached his first message, 15 people were driven mad in the service. Literally driven mad by his message. Joy began to break out in the service. People were falling on the floor, rolling on the floor. All of these things began to happen. And the churches in London didn't like it. They were conservative. We don't do that. And so they kicked Whitfield out of their churches and refused to let him preach. Those of you in the Bethesda class have probably heard these stories. They refused to let him preach. So what does Whitfield do? He comes to the American colonies. And for over 30 years, almost 40 years, begins to preach up and down the American colonies. Revival breaks out in the American colonies. George Whitfield was the evangelist of the great, the great awakening. He, he became the evangelist and Jonathan Edwards became the, the church, the hub, the center of revival, the great awakening. And, and Edwards and his sermons and his messages, thousands are in print today affecting the world. All because 
This man, Henry Skugel, wrote a letter to a friend that was insignificant. George Whitfield became one of the most influential men in the American colonies that led to the foundation of our country and revival that birthed our country. All because of a letter. Insignificant. God, I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have anything to offer. I, what do I, but I'll just write a letter. What's our part? You and I don't know this side of eternity, what God will do in and through our lives. We have to be faithful. We pull up to the table of the Lord. We feast on the goodness of God. We bring others to the table with us. We share Christ. We're faithful to our families. We're faithful to our church. We're faithful to give. We do the things that God has called us to do. You fulfill your ministry. And the results are up to God. The results are up to Him. It's not about us and and how many people did you get born again and how many people are going to your church and how many this and how many that. Listen, if you're doing it right, probably aren't going to have a huge crowd. If you're preaching truth, people don't want to hear the truth. Do what God's called you to do. Be faithful to what God's called you to do and the results are up to Him. In John chapter 6, we continue on in the feeding of the 5,000 and verse, let's see here, verse, verse 35, let's go there. Actually, let's go to verse 27. Verse 27 of John, John chapter 6 says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Stop laboring over the results. Stop, you know, we talked about earlier with the giving. I don't, we don't work just to make a living. We're not working to make a living. We're working. We're, God's given you the ability to get wealth to support the kingdom. We do all that we do because there's the bread of life come down from heaven. We do what we do to enjoy the feast of the table of the Lord. Yeah, it's gotten quiet in here this morning. <laughs> What do you mean, preacher? I mean my, my tithing, my offerings. You know, the, the, you know what I mean? It's not for me to just go splurge and live how I want to live. Yeah. That's why you're in the mess you're in. That's why, you, that's why we incur debt and get the way that we, we're living unproportional. But when you begin to cherish and value the table and the feast that God's prepared in your local church, you begin to finance and put your finances behind what God's doing in, his, in the feast of the table of the Lord so that others can enjoy and take in the, the enjoyments and the delicacies of the bread of heaven and the meat of the Lamb of God. Don't labor for things that perish. Are you saying, well, we can't enjoy? I'm not saying you can't enjoy I mean, you need to enjoy life. God, God wants you to enjoy life, but your enjoyment of life is based on your enjoyment of Him. If you're, if you're attempting to enjoy life in and of yourself, you're missing a whole lot of enjoyment. It becomes so much better when you enjoy God first, and then out of that flows the enjoyment of other things. When you enjoy other things over God, then that's when you start missing church and you, 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 you know, you're all of a sudden you're not connected to the church anymore. And you, well, I, I got to go this this weekend. I got to do this that weekend. And all of a sudden the priority of his presence and the priority of, of the body of Christ and the priority. I, I know I'm stepping on toes this morning, but listen, I, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to preach the truth. When you, when, you're, when you start preaching like this, people don't like it. I got it. I understand. But when you put a priority on the presence of God and the word of God, then you get in the house of God. 
you get in the place where his presence is to feast on his goodness and enjoy the Lord with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's getting quiet up in here this morning. I should move along. You know, John chapter 6, verse 35 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Never hunger, never thirst. All they wanted was the miracles. They were seeing Jesus feed the 5,000. Matter of fact, if you go and read, read this in, in, in the account of John 6, they were so enamored with the feeding and all the food and the miracles, they tried to forcefully make Jesus their king. And Jesus had to get out by, by direction of the Holy Spirit, had to move around the crowds and go up on the mountain to pray to avoid the crowds uh, forcefully taking him to make him king. And he goes up on the mountain and he prays. And that night the disciples go out on the sea. They get stuck out on the sea in the middle of the storm. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. We know the story. And that's, that's, that's the account of the feeding of the 5,000. Oh yeah, there was that day sitting in the wilderness. There, there, were, there, were, two, there were two feasts happening that day. There were those who were sitting and eating their full. They were taking in of the bread and the fish. Well, when's this preacher going to get done? I'm ready to go to Bob Evans and get my, get my food. I'm, I'm ready to go to McDonald's and go through the drive-thru. Can we get home already? This is, this is going too long. I'm ready to leave. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were wanting natural food. They wanted natural things. Their eyes were fixed on the natural. And all of a sudden, no, but there were those. There were those who saw this miracle for what it was. This is Jesus. The bread that's come down from heaven. This is Jesus. The one who was sent by the Father. This is Jesus. This is Him. This miracle working power is the resurrection life of God. That Jesus said, though, I, though that He may die, He shall live again. He was, he was foreshadowing. He was, he was prophesying about his own death and resurrection that even though the son may die he shall live again and he's talking yeah this this is the Jesus yeah this is this is Jesus this is the son of God it's not just about the bread and the fish it's not just about the not just about the natural things oh yeah you and I today there's a table there's a table prepared in the wilderness. Can God, can God prepare a table in the wilderness for you and I? Absolutely, He can. And there is a feast, there is a feast, there is a table spread for you and I today. It may not be what you want, but it's what you need. It may not be what your carnal nature is craving for, but I promise you, it's what your spiritual man needs. If you'll pull up to the table and feast on the bread of heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of heaven that came down and I give myself for the life of the world. He is the bread of heaven. He is the Lamb of God. He is the meat that sustains us. Oh yeah, if I eat of His flesh and drink of His blood, I'll never thirst again. I'll never hunger again. Oh yeah, I can feast on the table of the Lord. I can drink of the water of life of the Holy Spirit. I can drink of the water, the waters of revival, the waters of renewal, the waters of refreshing, the waters of the Holy Spirit. I can drink of the new wine of the Holy Spirit. I can feast at the table of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to close with this thought. You know, while others, while others were, were fighting, 
They were fighting about making Jesus king. They were fighting about politics. They were fighting about religion. Oh, there were, there were those who just pulled up to the table. I'm going to eat of the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to eat. I don't need to get caught up in their fighting and their quarrels. I'm going to eat of the goodness of God. This, this weekend, or this week, Thursday, whatever day it was, Heather's parents were selling their, their car, and so they asked us if we wanted to buy their, their Honda Pilot and, from them, and, and it was a ridiculously great price. And, uh, you know, of course, that parents can do that, right? And uh, happy Father's Day, you know? And uh, so they, they called us and said, hey, you want, you know, you want our car? Uh, we'll sell it to you. And you were like, absolutely, you know, Heather's car's basically done. <laughs> and uh, it's like 11 years old or whatever, and we've driven that thing to death. And so we've, we've been praying about and searching and looking, you know, all those things. And so they called us and said, we'll sell it to you. And we're like, great, well, you know, I'll come down and get it. So this, so this past couple of days, I flew down and drove back, long drive. And uh, for those of you that are keeping up with us on Facebook, and uh, that's where the gator on the side of the road came from. I, I, was, I was actually in Louisiana when the alligator was on the side of the road. And uh, anyway, so while we were there, while we were there, we went to this uh, cafe. And it's this cafe, it's called Village Cafe, and it's rated in, as one of the best in the nation for po' boys. If you don't know what a po' boy is, I need to introduce you to a slice of the bread of heaven. Anyway, um, it's, it's a sandwich, and, and you have to get a half, because if you get the regular size, I mean, you'll just, you will swell up like a blimp, I promise you. Just bring me back home and fly me with the good year. I mean, it will, if you will, I'm telling you, it's... It's a lot of food and they so you get a regular you know and it's fresh I mean fresh 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 French bread so fresh it's just flaky I mean just uh, it's just perfect y'all don't know what French bread is up here I, I, I go uh, when we were in the interview process we went to uh, we went to a restaurant in Fairlawn area and and I saw up on the menu they had they had French bread like you could get a slice of French bread with your soup and I'm like oh yeah we got French bread and that, you could have thrown it through a window. I mean, it was <laughs> like, this is not French bread. So, so the French bread at the cafe is French bread. It's the real deal. And just, I mean, just, have you gone to Village Cafe? If you've not, you need, you're going to go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, is, it is amazing. And uh, so it's, in, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's this house, it, is, it literally is, a, is an old home, like an old Acadia home, and they've, they've taken out the living room and what would be the dining room, and it is, it's a restaurant. You go, and it's all hardwood, you know, old, like original wood floors, and they've got all the old antiques up all around the place. It's a great little place to go. Out, it's it, nowhere, out in the middle of nowhere. It's out past Lafayette, which is out in the country. You don't know where you're at. And, uh, but man, do they have the best, they load, I got the, I'm making y'all hungry, aren't I? <laughs> they, they, uh, they load that sandwich with the best, freshest fried shrimp. Oh my goodness. You could ever imagine. I mean, it's got the, the um, oh, and she, Heather didn't go. She was jealous. I was sending her pictures. 
pictures with me and her parents, pictures with me eating with her parents. <laughs> oh, it was good. And uh, so we're, you know, we're eating, and, and I started thinking about this this weekend. People come from all over the world, or at least the country, I mean, it's acclaimed, it's well acclaimed, to, to eat at this restaurant a poor boy sandwich that they can fix at home with a slice of bread and fry up some shrimp. But they come, they come from all over to eat. Why? Because it was, it's so good. It's so good. And it's a rundown home. It's an old, you know, it's nothing to look at, but it's a place to go. You know, the feast, the feast of the Lord might not look like much to you. We, you come to church and, and you, you see this. Yes, I'm a southern preacher. Yes, you see this crazy, wild preacher. Yes, you see, you see the worship and the dancing and the, and the building and the things and the excitement and the joy. And you think, man, that doesn't seem like much to me. That's you know, just a bunch of crazy people at church. That's just, that's why would you be like, you, you, you know, it might seem like not much to you. But there's a feast. Oh, but there's a feast. There's a feast that people all over the world need to come and dine on. There's a, there's a feast that, that people all over need to come and come and dine. The Master's calling. The Master's calling. The, the invitations for the feast have gone out. And Jesus has sent us out to compel them to come in. Compel them to go into the highways, to go to, go to the byways, and go into the neighborhoods. Go and, go and compel them to come to the feast of the Lord. Maybe, maybe today you're feasting on the goodness of God. Maybe today you're enjoying the goodness of the Lord. Then go and bring somebody to the feast. Yeah. Go and go and bring somebody. And, and, and you know, it might be we're getting ready to start the, the night of hope. We've got night of hope coming up with the with the Hope Center, and we're gonna be doing things on Wednesdays, and, and, and we've got a training coming up soon on a Wednesday night to teach you and train you how to do medical screenings and serve in the food pantry and do all these things. And you might be serving natural food, and you might be taking care of people's natural ailments and and, and recognizing their their high blood pressure or whatever. You might be helping them sign up for financial aid or whatever the case might be. And as you're there serving this natural meal, all of a sudden people become aware of a spiritual meal. All of a sudden they become aware of a spiritual feast. That is, that is the bread that came down from heaven. That is the bread. Oh yeah, there's a feast. There's a table prepared in the wilderness for you and I. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for the feast of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the, the feast. The feast of heaven. We can enjoy the goodness of our God. We can enjoy the greatness, the providence, the blessing, the sustaining power of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.